We're up to mitzvah number 31. This is another mitzvah of the Ten Commandments. And as we mentioned in the past, even though it's called the Ten Commandments, there's actually 14 separate mitzvahs. The reason being is that the Second Commandment contains four, and the Fourth Commandment, the commandment that relates around Shabbos, contains two for a total of 14. The two mitzvahs related to Shabbos in the Ten Commandments is to remember the Shabbos, which is the subject of today's discussion, and the mitzvah to observe or to guard the Shabbos, which we will cover next week. So mitzvah 31 is to remember or to invoke or to sanctify the Shabbos. And the way this is fulfilled is to say words while holding a cup of wine and eventually drinking the wine at the entrance and at the exit, at the beginning and at the end, when it commences and when it concludes to make an invocation of Shabbos at the bookends of Shabbos before, right when it, when it begins, and, and when it ends, to kind of make a demarcation. This is Shabbos, this is distinct, this is special, this is holy, and let's invoke the Shabbos, let's remember it via this process. Now, it is interesting that we have today, everyone knows, there's the idea of Kiddush, which is the beginning of Shabbos, where you invoke the Shabbos on the, most people do it by the Friday night meal, others do it, there's a tradition, some people do it in shul, in the synagogue, during the prayer. But in fact, some of the commentaries say that even when you wish someone to have a good Shabbos or a Shabbat Shalom, that too would be a fulfillment of this mitzvah. Because again, you're invoking the Shabbos, you're establishing the principle that now it's Shabbos, now it's different than the rest of the week. This is a time which is distinct, and that too would be a fulfillment of this mitzvah. Now, it is interesting that there is a dispute amongst the commentaries as to how far this mitzvah extends from a Torahitic perspective. Everyone agrees that there is a mitzvah to invoke the Shabbos. The question is exactly how to do it or what the parameters are of this mitzvah. So, for example, some are of the opinion that only the beginning of Shabbos, meaning the entrance of Shabbos, the commencement of Shabbos, only that part of Shabbos is there a mitzvah to make an invocation of Shabbos to sanctify the Shabbos, meaning the Kiddush on Friday night. Whereas the Havdalah on Saturday night, after Shabbos is over, that's only of rabbinic origin. Others disagree and they say, no, if you're really going to sanctify Shabbos, you have to have at the beginning... And at the end, at both bookends, in order to fulfill that mitzvah. And the reason for this is that we have to remember the greatness of the day and its sanctification and to separate it, to make it distinct from the rest of the week and to give it praise from the rest of the days, the days that come before it and the days that come after it. And this is, of course fulfilled by the mitzvah, chapter 20 of Exodus. Remember the day of Shabbos to sanctify it, and that is fulfilled by making an invocation of holiness and of greatness. Now, rabbinically, this mitzvah extends to doing it with wine, and therefore the tradition is to use wine or grape juice 
both at the beginning of Shabbos and by Havdalah, that is the way it is fulfilled. In fact, the halacha states that if someone prefers to do, if someone likes bread more than one, you prefer the challah over the grape juice or the wine, well, what then? So then the halacha actually is, and some communities actually still do this, they make kiddush, they do the invocation of Shabbos, not on the cup of wine, not on the, not on the goblet of wine, rather on the challah, and uh, that is because it's more important, because it's more special, because it kind of catches your attention more, therefore you could still do it that way if that's what you prefer. And in fact, in many communities, especially those of Ashkenazic, meaning German origin, there is still is a custom that you'll see sometimes for people to make Kiddush on the bread. Uh, but that is more of a specialized custom for almost everyone else. It is done the way it is described over here to invoke the Shabbos with the wine. Now, there is voluminous literature about exactly what kind of wine, uh, what's the mixture of wine to water dilution, because it used to be that they the wine was distributed in a concentrate, and that was like a syrupy concentrate. No one would drink that. The question is, how much water are you going to add to dilute the wine? In fact, people used to not even drink water because water was contaminated or wasn't. it was very hard to get clean water. And the alcohol in the wine was used as a way to cleanse and purify the water of its contaminants. So there's a lot of literature about what is the size of the cup that you have to drink the wine from, what is uh, the quality of the wine, what's considered kosher wine, or if it's too diluted, it's no, it's considered water, it's not really wine. In fact, if you look at some bottles of kosher wine, you'll have a kosher symbol, and then it'll say, also kosher for Passover. And then sometimes it'll also say, this wine or this grape juice is kosher to fulfill your requirements to make Kiddush and Avdalah on Shabbos and to fulfill your requirements of four cups of wine on Pesach. And the point is, is that there's, there's a mitzvah here that is telling us that we have to drink a certain drink, a certain wine, and therefore there's classifications of what renders a wine kosher for fulfillment of the mitzvah that we need to do with the wine. I want to go through some of the details about what kind of cup and what kind of wine and how much and things like that just to kind of expose ourselves here to some of the discussions oriented around this mitzvah. So the first rule is that it has to be in a cup. Now, what does that mean? It means that there's something, there's a specific halachic requirement about the actual chalice or goblet in which the wine is going to be poured into. Because that's a critical part of the mitzvah, there's a a whole industry of kosher wine, not kosher, but of of Jewish or Judaica wine silver glasses. And there's a whole industry out there because from the halakha perspective, you shouldn't be using just a regular plastic cup. You have to use a designated cup that's designated for this purpose, for, for Kiddush, for this mitzvah to make it a more special, a more unique, a more noticeable ritual, not just, oh, we're drinking wine. We're drinking wine from a cup. In fact, if there is no cup available, there's no, like, uh, respectable cup available, some people have a custom to take, let's say, a disposable cup, but to double it over, to do, like, two. And that's kind of, you're trying to trying to demonstrate, trying to show the fact that this is not normal, really, I shouldn't be using this, and it's improper, but I'll do it in a double way to kind of cover myself and to uh, to try to make some sort of 
symbolism, some sort of demonstration that I'm trying to use a more respectable uh, glass. Now, the size of the cup is what's called a revius, which is around uh, four fluid ounces. And the cup size has to be the size of a, of a revius, so about four fluid ounces. But the actual amount that needs to be consumed is called melolugmav, which means a cheekful. So if you have really big cheeks, you have to drink a lot. If you have really little cheeks, you don't have to drink as much. It's usually around uh, two fluid ounces. Uh, that would be uh, sufficient. That's your requirement. Once you fill up your glass, it's got the right kind of wine. It's the right, sign of gla- right kind of glass or chalice or beverage vessel that is respectable for the occasion, you make a blessing. And that's also part of the mitzvah. It's to make a blessing, both, again, at the beginning of Shabbos and at the end of the Shabbos, with the wine. And it's interesting, the Sefer HaChinuch, the book that we're using to guide us through the mitzvahs, he doesn't give us the actual text of the blessing. He just says, you just use the commonly accepted text amongst the whole Jewish people. So I guess it was prevalent there. Everyone knew it. You didn't even need to say what it was because everyone knew it. So I want to just kind of go through the basics of the actual text of the blessing to just get a sense of the themes that were trying to be conveyed here. So the first blessing, meaning the one at night, we start with the, the verse at the end of chapter one of Genesis. The first time we read about Shabbos is, of course, in the seven days of creation. There's six days of actual creative work and then one day of rest, meaning a cessation of creative work. And we read in Genesis, in the end of chapter 1, that after day 6, then everything was completed, the heavens and the earth and all their legions, and the Almighty on the seventh day ceased from work that he did, and he rested on the seventh day, and he blessed and sanctified the seventh day and consecrated it, because on that day he ceased from doing uh, work, from all the creation that he did. That's the beginning. So again, we're just reading a verse from the end of chapter 1 of Genesis. Then we make a blessing on the wine. That blessing is the same blessing we do on any food. There's, of course, six different food categories, and each one of them have a different blessing. And the blessing that we say on wine is, Uh, Blessed is Hashem who creates the fruit of the vine. So that's the blessing on the actual drink. And then we go on to the blessing of Shabbos. And we say, blessed are you, Hashem, king of the world, who sanctified us with mitzvos, who desired us, who gave us his holy Shabbos with love. And this is a remembrance for the action of creation. So this is, of course, we're remembering the seven days of creation. Every time we cease working on Shabbos, we're actually testifying that God created the whole world six days, and then the seventh day cease to create. It is the beginning of the invocations of holiness. It's a remembrance for the exodus from Egypt. So again, the two pillars of our faith, A, creation, B, exodus, both of them are are being evoked in this mitzvah because he chose us and he sanctified us from all the nations and he gave us the holy Shabbos with love. Blessed are you, Hashem, who sanctifies the Shabbos. And then afterwards, you drink the cup and the festivities begin. Uh, similarly, with the end of Shabbos, there's the Havdalah. I don't want to go through the entire thing, but again, it's a similar kind of thing. We we, we give a paragraph uh, about uh, the relationship that we have with the Almighty and 
the idea of light amidst the darkness. Again, once Shabbos departs, you have the brutal week ahead of you. Our Mondays start on Saturday Saturday night, and then we make the blessing over the wine, and then we make the blessing over the besamim, or we smell the spices, and then over the fire. And all this has to do, there's a lot of backstory here, but this has to do with Adam. And Adam was booted out of heaven right after Shabbos. And uh, the Talmud says that his whole body was covered in fingernail material. And then after he was booted out of heaven, he had no more fingernails. His entire body was just skin, no more fingernails. And then he looked and he saw with the fire, he saw the little bit of his fingernails are, are, are still at the end of his fingers. So he was thankful. And that's kind of all part of the symbolism that we're trying to invoke here after Shabbos. And we talk about God separating, so separating the Jews from the non-Jews, the light from the darkness, the six days of work from a seventh day of rest, designating between the holy and the mundane, and we make the final blessing, blessed are you Hashem, who separates between holy and mundane. So that's the general idea of this mitzvah, and that's how we fulfill it. Now, why wine? It's interesting that the beginning of Shabbos is, is heralded with wine and incidentally with fire because we also light the candles on Shabbos, the Shabbos candles. And the end of Shabbos is also marked by wine and by fire, the fire of the Havdalah. What is the reason behind these very captivating processes? So the Sefer Chinuch tells us that we're told to invoke the Shabbos at the beginning of the end with wine because wine gets people's attention. When there's a wine on the table, everyone becomes transfixed. It's something which brings the light. It's something which brings happiness. And therefore, it awakens someone and it gets their attention. And therefore, when it's something that's so important, like the designation of Shabbos, we cannot allow people to have their attention wane. They have to be there. They have to be aware of what's happening. And therefore, we bring the wine because that's going to capture their attention. Similarly, fire is, I would say, the same thing. That fire is something that people have a hard time looking away from. It's something which is always changing. You ever see a, a small child transfixed on a flame? They can't pull their eyes away. I would say that's probably the same idea that this realization, this transformation of, of mundane to holy, of, of the wheat to Shabbos, is so critical, so important. Again, it's part of the Ten Commandments. It's so foundational that it's too important to have people not pay attention, and therefore we got to pull out the big guns. And the big guns, well, that's the fire and the wine. I want to point out one more thing, that even though this is subject to various customs, but the prevailing custom is that you stand for the per- first, uh, at a minimum, for the first part of the Kiddush. And our family's custom is to sit in the middle. Most have a custom to stand the entire duration of the Kiddush. What is the rationale of standing? Again, standing again is stand to attention. So that's a general idea that we, whenever you're supposed to, whenever you pray the Amidah, for example, you're standing. When you say the Kedusha, you're standing. Whenever you say Kaddish, you're standing. The things that are kind of important to not miss out, you stand up. In fact, when we read the Ten Commandments in the synagogue, they give a big clop on the bima. They give a, they bang down on the bima 
on the lectern and tell everyone everyone's got to stand because we're about to read the Ten Commandments. It's very important. Don't miss out on it. You got to stand. So what's the rationale behind our family's custom to stand for the first half and to sit in middle? Seems kind of odd. If you're going to stand for Kiddush, stand for Kiddush. If you're going to sit for Kiddush, then sit for Kiddush. Some people have a custom to sit. But why would you stand for the first half and sit for the second half? So the rationale is that the first half, it's considered like testimony. Because we're quoting from Genesis chapter 1, we're, t- we're testifying that God created the world in six days and ceased to create in day seven. And therefore, when someone in the Jewish court of law testifies, they have to stand. Whereas, once the testimony is over, they are free to sit if they wish. So some people have a custom, well, you're standing anyhow, don't sit down in the middle of the Kiddush. Others say no, specifically you sit down to demonstrate that you were standing not for any other reason aside from the testimony. And one more thing to point out along these lines is that at the end of the prayer on Friday night, we actually, in the congregation, we repeat this verse, the verse from the end of chapter 1 of Genesis. And the custom is that if there is someone who prayed their Amidah prayer too long or longer than the rest of the congregation, and therefore, when the congregation said the Vayichulu, that sentence or that series of sentences from the end of chapter 1 of Genesis, they were still in the middle of their Amidah prayer. They couldn't have joined. Now they want to make up. They want to say it. They can't say it alone. They have to find someone to say it alone with them. Why? Because if you're testifying, you have to testify a minimum of two people. Jewish court of law, with the exception of very few cases, one witness is insufficient. You have to have multiple witnesses, two or more. And therefore, if you're going to make this testimony, you're going to have someone who has to collaborate with you to testify alongside you. So like we said earlier, if someone does not particularly enjoy wine, if that does not excite them, they could do Kiddush with bread. Some people still have a custom to do that. Uh, in addition, if if someone just wants to take a small little shot glass of wine, well, that's not enough to excite, excite people. You have to have a minimum of a revius. In addition, there's other practices that are part of the halachic corpus on this mitzvah that are there to get our attention. There is a mitzvah, a requirement to wash out the cup of wine. It has to be a clean cup. Again, if something's so special, something so, so important, you can't use a dirty cup. You have to use a clean cup. You have to wash it out. In addition, there's another halachic requirement to not consume anything before you have the kiddush. So that's the first thing that you consume. And finally, to have the kiddush in the same place where you have the meal, to not have the kiddush one place and have the meal in a different place. All these things are part of this collective effort of this mitzvah to get our attention. This is one of the most important ideals ideas, pillars, principles of our religion. It testifies that God created the world. In fact, by testifying that God ceased to create on day seven, it is a tacit admission of God creating on the six days. And therefore, it's such a crucial aspect of our religion. The Shabbos, it's in fact one of the mitzvot that the Talmud tells us is equal to all 613 mitzvot combined. It is one of those mitzvot that is a foundational mitzvah. It represents the end all of what mitzvahs are trying to do to us. And therefore, it's so important. We pull out the wine. We pull out the fire. We make a big invocation. We make these 
a big pronouncements about what they imply and what our takeaway is, both at the beginning and both at the end of Shabbos. And hopefully through that, we will make the Shabbos more meaningful and uh, more distinct and more holy and glean its tremendous uh, spiritual reservoirs for our soul.